And we're back. It is Wednesday, September 8th. My name is Ben Milam, and I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be on. Good stuff. This is another episode of Buzzardry, technically episode number two. Uh, we had first live episode Sunday. We appreciate y'all tuning into that. Uh, we had a over, lot of fun. That'll be a over 700 uh, viewers, I yeah, think. That's so right. Pretty that's good. Right. <laughs> Any little traction is buzzardry. And as we move into this weekend, Grambling State comes into town for the home opener. That is a 6 o'clock kickoff, yes, if I'm not I believe mistaken. So. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think most people have, have probably recovered, you know, at least from the initial shock of the 31-7 loss to South Alabama. And now the concern turns to Grambling State. And really, you know, I I don't think it would be an overstatement to say that this is, you know, typically these, you know, SWAC schools come in and it's just kind of, okay, let's get through this week. It's a blow, you know, a blowout and, you know, you won't really learn a whole lot. But, you know, with that performance last week, this really becomes an important game. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, like you were saying, I think Grambling, uh, they pack a little more punch than your typical SWAC team, I think. Um, I just I kind of go back to, um, if you remember, this not a SWAC team, but um, MEAC team, Savannah State 2016, you know, you're up 49 nothing at the half, and it you know, could have been a lot worse. I don't think it's going to be that kind of situation on a Saturday. You know, you look at um, Grambling, they won their opener. Um, they went 0-4. Uh, in the spring season, but they've had um, a history under this coaching staff of playing FBS team is pretty uh, pretty tough. You know, they went to La Tech in uh, 2019, only lost 20 to 14. Uh, 2016, and that's a little while back, but they went to Arizona and had Arizona on the ropes uh, in the second half, actually, and they only lost like 31-21, which is a really, really good result uh, for a SWAC team against a, um, a team from the Pac-12. So, uh, you know, they're a team that um, I think, uh, you know, should be a game where you should be able to impose your will um, if you're Southern Miss. But I think it's also a game uh, where if you don't come out to play, uh, it could get a little scary there uh, yeah. quickly. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and Coach Hall talked about that. Um, I guess that was yesterday. Um, talking about, you know, th- that is a capable team and more than likely more capable of uh, a typical, you know, team like that that comes in. Uh, in between two big games like this. We talked about the Troy game next week. And, um, you know, I I think you need um, a pretty clean and pretty convincing win, like you said. I think a lot of people expect a blowout, maybe are not aware of, you know, Grambling being more capable than than a a typical game uh, like this. Um, And so... Yeah, so that's the expectation, and I'll tell you somebody who maybe has not recovered from last weekend is Coach Hall. Uh, you know, in, in some of his post-practice uh, comments, that was today, right? Uh, today, today, and I mean, yeah, I guess uh, after the um, what did he say? We said something kind of similar after the um, game on Saturday. What was it? He had some other comment about how, or no, uh, yesterday he said. Uh, you know, we got a head coach, we got a problem, or we have a – what was it? We have a terrible head coach or something like that. Yes. Similar comments, basically. Yeah, what did you see on film? He said, I, I see that we have uh, a terrible head coach. And so – and he said that several times, kind of doubled down on it. 
I'll put those comments right here so y'all can hear them. And so you hear those, and uh, yeah, the, the reaction a little bit mixed. I think some people said, you know, we're behind you, Coach, and I, I love this passion. Um, is there any concern for you for him saying, you know, those type of things this early that, you know, he's not excited, he's, he's coaching for his life, things like that, that, you know, it, it, it sounds like maybe he's worried or just dealing with the loss, maybe not so great. Yeah, I mean, what would you set the over-under on hours of sleep for the past oh, four days? Man. I would say... I'll set, I'll set it at, at 25. Oh, I would say... I'll I, go way under that. I'm thinking it's we'll probably, set it at 20. We'll set it at 20. I'm saying 15. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go, uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go 12 hours. I don't think, I don't think he got a wink Saturday night. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting ready for meetings and stuff Monday, probably not a whole lot. And so he uh, did, he did say something about how he woke up or something. He made some reference to waking up. So I guess he's got a little bit of sleep. But, okay. Well, there you go. But yeah, uh, you know, it's, you know, it sounds a little, uh, apocalyptic almost from, um, you know, that it actually got a little bit of a, uh, traction from the, um, you know, national media, I think Spencer mm-hmm. Hall, uh, from, uh, every day should be Saturday fame. He, uh, Chris Vanini. Yeah. He had a tweet, uh, Matt Hinton of, uh, I don't know where he is now, but you know, he's a USM alum. Mm-hmm. He had, so he had a comment. So it really has, uh, picked up a, um, a lot of attention, uh, nationally, um, both as kind of just a humorous thing, but also like, are we, are we sure this guy's okay? But um, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I hope he's okay, and uh, you know, either uh, he's really worried or uh, Grambling's going to be a uh, seven hundred to uh, three type game. So uh, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Uh, maybe in between. Maybe uh, somewhere in between those two. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I think it is somewhere in between. And he. I mean. He, He's. We know this, you know. Ever since he was hired in December, he, you know, he's he is just incredibly genuine and passionate guy. And, and I think maybe to a fault, and you and you kind of see um, him say some things that ninety nine point nine percent of head coaches would not say about how you know disappointed he is in himself, and you know all the failures on him, which is not, you know, that's that's not totally true. Um, because a lot of it was just the execution on the field. And, you know, you had a lot of guys in the correct position and a lot of the correct play calls on the offensive side of things and and things just didn't pan out, whether it be Trey Lowe or the receivers or the running back. You know, you go back to that pick six at the end of the game. And so, yeah, I I don't think it's it's real cause for concern. Um, You know, some other people might have a different opinion of – you know, you can't really talk like that uh, after a game like that. But I, I, I think it really comes down to him having just, you know, sky-high expectations for himself and knowing that he set those for Southern Miss fans um, in really a, a crunch time in these really two, three years um, with all this conference realignment stuff swirling around. He knows we have to win now, and – and I think he wants to. Um, he's just that kind of coach. And so, um, but, it, yeah, so it, it's it's really just more funny to me. Um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, really concerned about his health. I think he's, you know, I, I think that's just how he talks and communicates about failure. Um, and, and I also think he's trying to reassure 
Southern Miss fans that he, um, you know, he he is concerned himself, and we're going to fix it. I would much rather him come out and talk like that than you know. Well, you know, reality is, uh, you know, we just didn't execute, and we're going to get better. And, <laughs> you know, something like that, yeah. which which or we're throws, used you to, know, or throws players under the bus, yes. or something like that, or yeah, pull an Ellis and yeah, and, and say we just weren't the whatever correct pad level. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, we'll see if, if that trend continues after um, losses, uh, you know, hopefully you don't have such a, a deflating and frustrating loss. And it was, you know, it was more of, um, you know, a disappointing loss than you would typically see, especially leading up um, to a season like this where people are kind of unsure of expectations. So they, I think they kind of latched onto those high expectations that uh, Hall was setting. Um, and so that's, that's why I think you saw that visceral reaction from both him and fans. So I think, you know, hopefully he'll be okay. Um, I think he will. I, I think he is going to try um, to end Grambling State's football program this weekend. I, I think he comes <laughs> out and tries to, you know, I don't, I don't think he takes his foot off the gas pedal at any point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, realistically, you know, if you get a butt bunch, he'll probably put in, you know, the second and third string and, you know, start running the ball. But I think he is um, – Maybe. I think he is going to be laser-focused on this game. Yes. Um, and really try to iron everything out that um, – every you know, all the bad stuff that happened on Saturday. I think uh, part of the reason, you know, he said the things he said, I think, um, you know, he felt like – he really brought a bunch of hope to the fan base, kind of mm-hmm. in the same way that uh, Fedora did coming into 2008, and he got everybody, right. you know, really excited. And I think he kind of feels in a way that he's let the fan base down. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, most of the fans, like you were saying, have his back. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's kind of the reason he's taking it really hard is just because of uh, all the excitement in the fan base uh, heading into this season and, um, you know, him trying to rejuvenate the program and so forth. Yeah, and so looking ahead to that, that game this weekend, we, we – briefly touched on it uh grambling state not uh, you know a, an above average swag team coming in and um but also on the other side of that a game you should win handily so what needs what needs to happen this weekend to, to kind of get back on the right trajectory and to feel better at least going into that troy game Oh, well, I think uh, like we were talking about on uh, earlier this week, uh, you really want to see the passing game uh, do some big things. You really want to be able, uh, you know, yeah, just pass the ball a lot right, better. Right. Um, um, and you kind of would expect to do that against a, uh, a SWAC team. Um, so kind of seeing how uh, Low can progress from Saturday, see if he can correct some of those mistakes, see if you can have some of those explosive uh, plays in the pass game, get your confidence up. Uh, for a big game against Troy next week. Um, looking at Grambling, they didn't um, just on the other side of the football, they don't look to have much of a uh, a passing attack just based on their uh, opener against Tennessee State. I believe they completed four of 11 passes. Um, I think the quarterback actually had a lot more um, rushing yards than um, passing yards. So I haven't been able to watch anything on them. I don't even really know what kind of offense they run. I was trying to find some clips on YouTube. I couldn't find anything. But, yeah, I mean, this is a game where you hope to see uh, Lowe make some big improvements um, and something that he can kind of take forward. Um, there's t- something he can take forward uh, later in the season and uh, ahead of that big matchup against Troy next week. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's been talked about. I think this is a trajectory game. If, if there's any kind of doubt 
or concern about the offense still against a Grambling State team heading into that Troy game, I, I, that's when I think the alarm bells start to ring. Um, if, if you see some of those same mistakes being made, uh, be it be it the fumbles or the, the broken routes or just low looking the way that he did. Um, and so the, really the number, the number one thing I'm looking for is, is Trey Lowe. How does he come out and respond? Um, because, you know, I, I, again, we talked about it last week. I, you know, a lot of it was mental. A lot of it was fixable. Does How does he deal with that pressure that really doesn't decrease? It almost increases of, okay, you know, we had these expectations and, you know, they fell so flat. And so how are you going to respond to that? How does he how does he play under that kind of pressure, even against a Grambling team um, that that played good defense last Saturday? Um, yeah, you, you know you want to see him go through his through his progressions and you know not collapse in the pocket. And hopefully, there's not a whole lot of pressure to deal with. Um, I, I think you see them throw more things at Grambling than you would typically see in a game like this. Just uh, so you can. St- see if, if Trey Lowe, um, you know, can get his feel back going into that Troy game. Um, so, yeah, quarterback play, I, I think, you know, maybe we see Ty Keys at some point, hopefully late in that game in a low leverage situation. Um, you know, there are already people clamoring to see him as a starting quarterback. Did did get some reps uh, with the two uh, – with the ones, rather, uh, yesterday, which is probably typical of, you know, what Coach Hall calls competition – Tuesday, just, you know, earn your spot kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, if I, I think if he comes out and has a similar-ish performance, you know, in that first half, I think you see Tykes maybe earlier. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, interested to see the game plan and just in, or just in terms of how they call the plays because right. you saw early on against South Al, they really wanted to run the ball, a lot of power sets. And uh, I'll kind of be curious to see, you know, they're going to throw the ball around a lot early to try to, you know, see if uh, what kind of improvements Lowe has made in the week um, prior. Or do you try to run the ball and uh, kind of expose them to the ground? Because um, early on, I mean, we did run the ball decently. Um, like we were saying, Gore had over four yards of carry, which is pretty efficient. Not, you know, elite, but pretty efficient. Right. So I want to be uh, kind of interested to see if uh, they go through the air a lot early or if they uh, keep it on the ground or a little bit of both. So that's kind of um, the way Hall calls plays on uh, this game will be interesting because, you know, he kind of had to abandon that game plan uh, right. by the second half. Right. Uh, once you get down by 17, you got to start throwing it around. So right. um, be interested to see uh, how uh, the offensive game plan uh, works out in this one. Yeah, it will, and it'll be interesting to see how um, – you know, the offense response, the defense, I'm not worried about. Um, you know, I think, I think the expectation, um, you know, for this game is for Grambling to not score a whole lot of points right. um, and because they didn't last Saturday and defense did look capable uh, against South Al. And so um, I would expect low scoring uh, on, on the Grambling side of things. Um, Couple depth chart, uh, slight changes. Daquan Bailey Brown looks to be back. Uh, Dejan Richard um, will will probably get a little more playing time. I actually don't even know if he if he ever went in. It was yeah, that's it was what Mayberry was. was the two. Right, I was just about to say that. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just uh, kind of wondering is is Brownlee is he going to be 100 percent good to go? Because I think there were some concerns of uh, was he not 100 percent um, last Saturday? Because I don't. Think, did he have a reception um, at all on Saturday? 
don't... He might have had – if he did have one, he had one. Um, okay. He, yeah. I know they targeted him three or four times early in that first half, and he either dropped it or the pass was, um, you know, errant. Um, and to me, even just watching him – I was on the sidelines watching him, you know, go through his routes did not look 100% to me. Um, I guess that was – about midway through fall camp, had an ankle injury, and the hope was that it was not, you know, a high ankle sprain, which tends to be nagging and hard to get rid of. Um, and the other concern, obviously, was the Achilles. But I think if it was if it was an Achilles injury, I don't think he would have come back that quickly. Uh, so yeah, that's that's another thing to watch for, Jason Brownlee. Um, you know, he really lacked that big playmaker type um, in the in the passing game. It really. But part you, of the um, you know, game. you did see guys like Dennis and uh, sure, Kasten, sure. Yes. you know, kind of um, less heralded guys that really came up and uh, made some um, pretty big plays. So that uh, you know, that gives you a little bit of hope. Um, you know, you have a little bit of depth in that uh, receiver room. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more than than people thought. I think you know the it was obvious that the you know the talent that came in was good talent you know those four or five freshman wide receivers and then a guy like Brad Dennis who's been with the program but hasn't played a whole lot um, was listed behind Brownlee in that X spot and really played well I mean he's you know he's a guy that when you look at him maybe you know couldn't you wouldn't think could hurt you on on you know over the top uh, in the deep passing game but he, you know, got separation, especially late in the second half, and low missed him on a couple, and so he he's he looks to be highly capable. Um, so yeah, I think even if Brownlee is not 100 percent this weekend or next, you feel you still feel good about that wide receiver talent position. And I, I don't think the t- the question to me is talent on the offensive side. Um, you know, we we briefly talked about how. Coach Hall said, you know, recruiting, um, or it starts with recruiting when he talked about improving the program. And mm-hmm. a lot of people said, oh, well, he doesn't think he has the players. But he's talked about the yeah. talent, and, and I think you see that talent on the offensive side. Yeah, I was actually um, going to say the uh, Feel Steel uh, magazine, um, Hall had a conversation with him. And uh, Steele mentioned in his USM preview, he talked to Hall, and Hall said, you know, that we have power conference talent, a receiver, he thought. Right. And that we were going to kind of throw the ball around. So, uh, you know, I think he believes, uh, yeah, in that skill position talent on the offensive side of the ball, and obviously Brownlee's a big part of that. Yeah, and I think you'll see a few of those younger guys, Chandler Pittman, one of those that really flashed in fall camp, um, you know, that would probably get some playing time this weekend. Hopefully you have, again, the low leverage space to do that. And so, um, yeah. Clean, convincing win is what is needed and expected. Yeah, I was going to um, say the uh, S&P Plus, I believe. Let me pull up uh, what they had. I believe it was about 24 they set the line at. I have not seen a line on uh, three, any Las Vegas uh, sports books. Usually they I haven't don't, been able to find anything. Usually they don't put out a line for uh, any FCS games. Maybe some, you know, like a big FCS team like a North Dakota State or somebody like that. But – uh. I believe, yeah, the Bill Connolly S&P rankings had it at about 24 as the line, um, just kind of as a um, thing to look at um, yeah. heading in and what to expect um, heading into the game on Saturday. Yep. So a whole lot to look for in that game this Saturday. And to kind of polish off preview of that game, we're going to bring in a friend of the show for a quick little conversation. 
for interview number one for buzzardry so we're making history here and i am absolutely honored to have the man the myth the legend the editor-in-chief of biggoldnation.com through the rivals network he's been doing it a, a long time and he kills the game heath hinton heath thanks so much for being on the show man Heath, I know you heard the comments post-practice today, and we talked about it a little off-air. You've been doing this a long time, and you've you know you've been close to the program for a lot for a long time. You know, a lot longer than most people. To hear, I don't know, to hear those kind of comments for a coach, you know, coming off of his first game, and we know Coach Hall. You know, he's a passionate guy. We talked about that. Um, you know. He's, he's a genuinely passionate guy, and, and like you said, don't think he, he takes failure well. But um, how, did, how did those comments strike you? Was there any concern there? It seems that he's really feeling the pressure, and I'm not sure he's able – got to remember, yes, he's been a head coach at D2, but – the uh, D1, being a head coach of D1 is a different game. And I, I just don't know if he is, uh, he's maybe not saying the wrong thing, but maybe not understanding what he's saying right now when a lot of press are around. So I'm not looking too much into it. I mean, it's, look, he's having some pressure right now because let's face it, he sold the program, told people it was going to be better, and the product that was put out was not a good one. It was not a good one in any sense of the word. Right. I know there was plays left on the field, but it didn't look good. It uh, was a bad taste in the mouth of the fan base. And, you know, I think that's just a situation where he's going to learn how to articulate better as time goes along. But yeah. I'm not trying to look too much into it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The, the name of the game early in the season uh, for any football program is overreaction. And I think you're seeing that, um, you know, from a lot of the fans uh, where they maybe did get some concern out of that and obviously concern after last weekend. Um, so what so what uh, moving ahead into this Grambling State game, what is what needs to happen, in your opinion, uh, to kind of shake some of those negatives off that you saw in that South Alabama game? Southern Miss just need to concentrate on themselves and get things right. In in no way should a Grambling ever come into Southern Miss and win a football game. It should not happen when Southern Miss is over. If Southern Miss can't win but one game on the schedule all year and it's a slack school, that school should be the game they should win. Uh, this is all about Southern Miss. This is all about the team getting better. This is all about them looking at themselves looking at the mistakes they made and saying, all right, are we a good team? Yes, we are. we made mistakes. we got to get that better. And we've got to start this weekend before Troy comes up. I'm not saying look ahead to Troy. That's not what I'm saying. But I think the team's got to look at this game as a get-right get game and then move on and get ready for Troy. That's what I think the team needs to do going forward. Yep, and I think you are exactly right. Um that you know, obviously, we've talked about that Troy game being 
that the measuring stick game, kind of a trajectory point for this season. And talking about just the schedule as a whole and seeing, you know, some of those West Division teams play so well this past weekend, do you revise your expectations for the season at all, you know, after what you saw Saturday? Not after one game. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater after one game. I've seen UAB in 17 and 18 lose to, I think it was 17, they lost to Ball State bad and come back and, and, you know, had a great season in 18. They lost to Coastal Carolina, who at the time was a very bad football team. I think they may have been even been uh, FC at that point. Lose that, come back and win the conference. Look, the ship can be righted. It's not the end of the world. Yes, I know fans were upset, but the ship can be turned around. I know I'm saying ship a lot, and I'm sorry. But in the grand scheme of things, I guess a former coach, I'm just used to hearing ship out of the harbor. But I can tell you this, in the grand scheme of things, that it's not the end-all, be-all one game. Yeah, they didn't look good. But it's not time to abandon things. It's not time to, you know, ring the bell, uh, call uncle, throw in the towel. There's still a lot to be played for this year, and the Southern Miss team has everything ahead of it. Absolutely right. Spot on. Heath, last question. Does Coach Hall stay with the shirt and tie? You know, I don't know. I I don't know if he's a luck guy. If he's a luck guy, I would change the look. Right. Uh, just to change things different, I would try to forget anything about that game this past weekend. I wouldn't even wear black pants, black shoes. I would wear khakis and and yellow shoes and a white shirt. I I mean, a black shirt with a gold sweater vest. I would change everything. Come out in the visor. If I'm the football team, every player, I would not do anything like I did the game before. Uh, No. I don't. I think, you know, you got to go different, guys. you got to go different. you got to uh, try something else. And, you know, there's an old saying, just throw some stuff at the wall and see if it'll stick. This is one of those times. I think you're right, Heath. We will see what he comes out with. That's obviously on the lower end of concerns at this point. Big game. Uh, this weekend against Grambling State, Heath, insider extraordinaire, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you guys. And uh, just want to say it is nice this year, though, to not have to hear. Uh, we're stacking our chips up. We put our pants on one leg at a time. We'll get the boat out of the harbor. And, of course, all of our favorites. He's just a Southern Miss guy. There it's been you a lot go. of fun not hearing that this year, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. little change of pace. Heath, thank you so much for being on, man. Take care. You too, guys. Have a good one. We'll move on. And, you know, one of the the big things that we have already talked about is, is all the conference realignment talk. And um, it was last week, you know, those four being named as leaders um, – to be added to the Big 12, and a lot of people said that would be as soon as this week, nothing yet on that, but today um, an article came out that was was basically just, I think the title of it was Common Sense Approach yes. to Group of Five yes. Realignment. Yes, uh, Pete Thamel. Yeah. yeah, and so 
what it was was, you know, really what a lot of people I think have been saying is you kind of have to look at the way the direction of realignment is going. Specifically for the group of five, it has been, okay, you lose, you know, these schools to the level above you, and so you go to the level a little bit lower than you and you poach those guys. Really, so the point of the article was you if, if you keep going that direction, eventually everything crum- crumbles. And so um, it, it was really more of a petition to go to, um, I think it was four four leagues to kind of reform yeah, let's see. group of five. Yeah, they had a, a Southwest League, a West Coast League, a Midwest League. Um, and I guess that was the it, yeah. Southeast, yeah. And so, yeah, so the purpose of that was... Yeah, three leagues, I believe. Three yeah. leagues, okay. Okay, so I've got it right here. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it is four. Yeah. Four leagues, West Coast League, Southwest League, Southeast League, and then the Midwest League. And, and so, yeah, so the, the, the point of that was, you know, saying you, you basically, you've seen what TV is going to pay for. It's, it's the big brands, and you, you, at this point in the group of five, you have lost – you know, the majority of those quote unquote big brands. And so now you have to just reorganize to the point of, of survival and also saving expenses travel wise. You, you save millions of dollars across the board travel wise. And then you go, um, you know, you bunch these, these uh, regional teams together and bring back some of those maybe traditional rival, rivalries and, you know, you have the alumni connections of these, these schools in the same region and you create fan interest where you sell more tickets and then maybe off of that have, you know, more TV interest and, and then that's where you build the revenue. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. First impressions, I, th- I feel like that's this kind of direction has been talked about before, but not maybe in, in an organized way like this. Right. Well, one of the things I was thinking earlier today was um, I think the Mac might have the best – they're like the most stable group of five league, and it's because they're all. I mean, maybe not the whole reason, but a big reason is because they're, you know, geographically sure. very close, culturally they're similar. I mean, even institutionally, I mean those those are generally, um, you know, regional universities. Um, you know, like Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, those type of schools. Uh, they have similar enrollments and academic endowments and that kind of thing. So they're they're very similar in a lot of ways. And I think that's kind of what this article is talking about. But, um, you know, I think one of the things is one of the reasons I don't think it will happen is I think I think there's some schools that just don't want to be associated with some schools. Like it has yes. Tulane and ULM in the, uh, in the same league. I don't think Tulane would ever want to be associated with Louisiana Monroe. You know, had Memphis and Arkansas State in the same uh, conference. I don't think that Memphis would ever want to be a part of that. So, I mean, you do have uh, egos involved in this kind of thing. Uh, that'll prevent anything like this from ever happening. Um, but you know, it is. I think it is generally um, generally agree with it that the uh, the league G- group of five leagues should become more regional, more uh, culturally similar. Um, and I think you know the, we're talking about the MAC being very similar in a lot of ways. I think the Sun Belt um, mm-hmm. has become that in a lot of ways, where they're kind of whereas Conference USA, you have this whole jumbled mess of schools and big Old, cities, Old Dominion, Old Dominion, and UTEP. You have Old Dominion and UTEP in the same league. It's a long bus trip. Right. You have Old Dominion and UTEP, but then 
which are kind of big commuter schools, um, big cities. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, schools like Southern Miss and La Tech, which are kind of more, um, you know, in smaller cities or rural areas um, where they don't have a lot in common with these big, you know, 40,000, 50,000 student schools like an FIU. So I think what the MAC has done and what the Sun Belt uh, kind of similar is they have grouped a lot of these schools that have a similar uh, – you know, culture, just in terms of the um, the university, uh, the fan base, these towns. Um, so, yeah, from a Southern Miss perspective, I think, you know, you look at the Sun Belt, I think you have a lot more in common with uh, Louisiana Lafayette, mm-hmm. uh, South Alabama, and Arkansas State, you know, in these smaller cities and uh, towns with kind of similar enrollments, similar academic endowments. Then you do playing a Rice or a um, you know a North Texas, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I mean I don't know if something like that would ever happen where you know USM could get in a Sun Belt type league, um, but I do think most people agree at this point that um, you know Conference USA probably doesn't make a lot of sense just based on the travel and the um, right. you know not a whole lot of shared identity with the. Um, a lot of the other member institutions. Yeah, and it, and it hasn't for a long time. Um, and, and I think... I mean, really it, since ECU and Memphis yes, and Tulane left, I think yes. I don't think it's really made a lot of sense no. since then. To, no, and, and, and also the approach, you know, in... Um, you know, I guess that was 2012, 2013, when that, you know, that last big break happened. Um, the, the emphasis was still big media market. And... That's, that's still obviously part of it, but I, I think it's more on-the-field brand at this point. Um, I think that's why you see a UAB who, you know, is, you know, you ax the football program, but, but then the last, you know, four or five years, they've really been the best team in Conference USA, and I think that's, that's why you see, um, you know, them at, at the top of these discussions to replace, um, you know, one of those four schools in the AAC. And so it'll be interesting to see what – what the effect is, the level of effect, I guess, uh, of the media market versus on-the-field brand and on-the-field success. Because a lot of people said, you know, I guess it was maybe a couple of years after the 2012-2013 um, realignment that, you know, you started to see a lot of these cord-cutting things and, you know, people could pick and choose what they're going to watch and what they're going to stream. And that's maybe less to the extreme of what people thought it would be and say, okay, that you can completely toss out the media market. I, I don't think that's quite the case. Um, but I, I do think, you know, part of the reason there's there's so much pressure on just the athletic program in general of schools like Southern Miss is you really need to win and win now because those schools that are, you know, have recent and current success are going to be, um, you know, at the forefront of that discussion. Again, UAB and um, – and so, uh, yeah, it, that'll that'll just be really interesting. I, I, I don't think, you know, I think he, he may have mentioned it in the article, but um, that this this makes so much sense that it's probably not going to happen. Right, and I think the frustrating thing, uh, if you're a USM fan, is when that last alignment happened, you, you know, you were consistently one of the better. Yes. Um, non At the time, I guess non-BCS was the term. You know, you're consistently winning seven, eight, nine games. Uh, you weren't on the level of a Boise, but you were, you know, still making bowls and, um, you know, generally had a, you know, pretty good program. Right. 
And uh, you know, the last ten years, you think, well, if we could have kept on that pace, where we were competing for conference championships, and you know, still pulling off a couple name wins, you know, we'd probably be um, in a little better shape in terms of realignment. Um, so that's kind of the frustrating thing is if we had just kept up the pace we were on um, in the 2000s, which I think a lot of people kind of felt the 2000s were disappointing, you know, mm-hmm. with the New Orleans Bulls and uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, looking back, that was not a bad uh, period in the, um, you know, in the football program's history. Um, right. Really, you're still going to bowls, still, you know, you won a couple divisions, won a couple conference championships. Um, so that's kind of the disappo- uh, disappointing thing where you've had um, – you know, some low years in this last decade, and you just hope that um, doesn't really hurt you uh, with this realignment going on. So Yeah, and, that, and, it, and it also just feels like Southern Miss has just caught every bad break. Oh, yeah. Know, it, in all this realignment stuff, and you had, you know, the previous, yeah, uh, previous you, the administration at the time of, the, you know, the first big shift, there was an emphasis on, you know, staying in Conference USA, and this is, you know, going to be the, sixth power conference or whatever the the reasoning was and how wrong, um, you know, that ended up being. And then, you know, 2012, 2013, you know, you just kind of fall apart um, football-wise. And then, you know, all the the basketball NCAA uh, infractions and that goes to pieces. And, um, yeah, just just feels like you don't catch any any breaks at all. And then you you mentioned the ego thing. You have those former conference mates in the AAC that – you know, it really feels like it's it's very much an uphill battle for them to you know to agree to being back with us in a conference. Right. Well, I think there's there's some mixed thoughts on that. I mean, you you know you can read and hear things that say, well, you know, Tulane and Memphis want us in, or maybe they want us out. Right. Um, I, I don't know. You know, who knows what those schools want? I mean, on the positive side, for if you're a Tulane or Memphis, you know that would give you another uh, drivable road game for your fans, um, especially Tulane's case. You know, it's just you know, an hour and a half, two hours away. Right. Um, but the, I guess, a negative if you're Tulane or, or Memphis um, in terms of that and Southern Miss is that bolsters USM, which can hurt your recruiting uh, and just add kind of more competition for players and that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you're one of those old uh, CUSA teams, especially the two kind of local ones in Tulane and Memphis, you know, I guess there are positives and uh, negatives to uh, letting USM in the league. Sure, and I think – I really think it'll it's going to come down to – once all of this, once everything shakes out with the SEC and, you know, you see if those uh, two of those other Power Five conferences add any more beyond the four that the Big 12 will add. Um, I guess Pac-12 said they're not going to add any more, but um, those other two conferences, do they add any more? And once that all trickles down, I think it comes down to survival. I really do, and t- to stay just – in the conversation of relevancy and competition, you know, are you even in that discussion? And to do that, I, I think, you know, if it is the case that, you know, whatever, Tulane, East Carolina, Memphis, I, I feel like lesser of an extent East Carolina um, are just so against Southern Miss because, you know, they're going to be recruiting against them and they've had all of this, you know, success historically against them. I think you can probably throw a lot of that out, um, or I think at least a lot of it will be thrown out because it just becomes a point of survival. And you have to get up past the point of a lot of these things, and maybe media market is one of those those uh, where you say, okay, you know, a school, uh, you know, like 
you know, UTEP or Old, Old Dominion is, is the big one that's, that's kind of been a flop as far as conference edition um, in a lot of ways, at least, you know, football-wise. Um, I, I think you throw a lot of those things out that maybe were imported in previous realignment discussions um, just due to the fact that, you know, we've got to survive this and, and stay in the same conversation as all these, these big brands. Yeah, I mean, it. like you said, it comes down to survival, it comes down to money. Um, I, I mean, I don't know the math on terms of uh, like travel costs versus, you know, how much you're making in TV. I mean, I think the big driving thing is ESPN and the yes. TV dollars. So, I mean, I think these conferences are really listening to ESPN. And if ESPN's saying, all right, well, if you add UAB, you know, you're going to get this on the TV deal versus if you add Southern Miss, you're only going to get this much. Right. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, you know, UAB is in a market that is, uh, you know, it's a college football crazy market, Birmingham. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. when you see, uh, sometimes they'll post like the TV ratings for just like a random bowl game, like the Hawaii Bowl, and Birmingham will always be like way above, right. um, like every other market, and it's not even really close. I mean, and obviously, Alabama and Auburn are the top two uh, in that market. But you know, UAB they've made some inroads. They got the new stadium, um, so. Yeah, I mean they've they've certainly uh, better themselves, better than they were ten years ago when you know they were just kind of a total joke. Absolutely. And, you know they had about twenty five fans at Legion Field and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean it's going to come down to the I think TV dollars will still um, kind of be the deciding factor. But um, you know if the TV dollars dry up, you know you start looking at travel and you start looking all right, how can we save as much money? Right. You know why are we traveling? You can, or if you're still missing, you say, "Why are we traveling to El Paso when we could, you know, try to do a regional thing where we're playing in Lafayette or, um, you know, Jonesboro or that kind of thing?" So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much the AAC TV deal uh, decreases, because um, I think that was the big thing um, in CUSA when those all those schools left. It went from you know over one million dollars a year for each team to you know just a couple hundred thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how big of a hit they're going to take. I mean, those are three pretty big brands uh, with UCF, uh, Houston, and uh, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be uh, be curious to see what they do and uh, how those uh, additions and the realignment affect the uh, TV deal that they're going to come up with. Yeah, we'll see how that continues to shake out. Um, is does the AAC renegotiate in twenty twenty five? Is it this, is is that a uniform? I know it's not the same contract, obviously, but right. I know. Yeah, that's the Big 12's, uh right of uh, yes. what are the grant of rights or mm-hmm. something. I, I don't know when they uh, when that ends. Because um, CUSA, we did have a couple of years where we were still collecting that one point two million dollar check even after UCF and mm-hmm. Houston and Memphis and all of them left. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how long uh, until that deal expires. It may be 25, but uh, yeah, I'm we'll, not sure. We'll do some digging on that. But but things are happening rather quickly, and I, and I think the expectation is, again, either this week or next uh, for them to announce the formal I think of I've four. read that they're going to – I think they've – or at least Cincinnati and UCF have officially applied, uh, officially applied. I think the other yes. two are probably in the same boat. Yeah. Um, so I think they said they're going to probably extend the invite uh, – later this week maybe friday yeah. um so yeah this week or next uh you'll probably see something official i think and i think a lot of a lot of that more official stuff is going to come out this off season. does oklahoma and texas or do oklahoma and texas you know honor that 
you know, contract through 2025, which I, I highly doubt that, that that is the case. But I think you'll get a better picture of what their thought process is and how quickly that's all going to happen. Um, and so, think, again, it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think the goal, or according to Ross Dellinger of uh, Sports Illustrated, he said that they were going to try to create a 14-team league for, I guess, one year. Uh-huh. That, uh, Oklahoma and Texas would have a, uh, a lame duck year, basically, right. where they would be in the same conference. It's since a Cincy um, – Houston, BYU, and UCF, which would be a big slap in the face to uh, to Texas because they still hold a grudge against Houston because uh, they played a game in Houston in 2001, I believe, where um, Houston had about 4,000 uh, temporary bleachers that they were going to put Texas fans in, yep. and the engineers had to condemn them, and they had to put a bunch of Texas fans in like the basketball arena yep. to um, to watch the game, and I think Texas still holds a grudge against that. But, you, know, you know, that goes back to the Southwest Conference in the 90s when Texas – you know, broke off with everybody else to go to the Big 12 and left Houston behind. So there's a lot of bad blood uh, between Texas and Houston and putting them in the same conference even just for one year would uh, kind of be a nice uh, slap in the face for them uh, if you're the Big 12. Yeah. That's the kind of things that we're rooting for is just chaos at this point. Yes, that's that's the best part about college athletics, just the anarchy sometimes of the things that go on and uh, the trolling and uh, that kind of thing. Yep. And I think think there's – Plenty to be had still at this point, and uh, we will keep a close eye on that and continue to discuss that. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Talk about, I guess, just the upcoming weekend of games. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so, I guess Friday you have UTEP at, uh, at Boise. Um, UTEP, they've won. Uh, they beat New Mexico State, who's supposed to be the worst team in FBS, and they beat Bethune-Cookman, who I don't I don't think they're a great FCS team. So they're 2-0, but it's, you know, they're kind of a paper tiger, I, I guess, if you can even call them that. Then you got our game, uh, WKU at Army. Um, I don't, you know, Army's been pretty good under Jeff Munkin. I don't know. Um, although they have, I know, Western Kentucky, they kind of overhauled their entire offense, offensive staff. They brought in a bunch of guys right. from uh, Houston Baptist, which um, – I believe their offensive coordinator was a, um, a GA at Texas Tech, um, the Western Kentucky office coordinator. He was that Houston Baptist office coordinator. Before then, he was a, a GA at Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes was there with Cliff Kingsbury. So he's kind of a wide-open offense, uh, kind of air raid type guy. So they're kind of going full on the, uh, you know, the high-octane uh, passing attack. Um, Western Kentucky is. Um, so then you have uh, – MTSU at uh, Virginia Tech. That was actually a game last year uh, where Virginia Tech was supposed to go to uh, Middle Tennessee. They probably got postponed, uh, but that would have been a nice home game for uh, MTSU to have playing against Virginia Tech. UAB Georgia? Yeah. Uh, um, Spread is 24.5. Yeah. Does UAB cover? Uh, maybe, because I don't know. Uh, Georgia Georgia's offense, I mean, I guess you're playing Clemson, but they didn't. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but. Seems like most people didn't think it was that good against. Uh, well, didn't score a touchdown. But right, because again, it's Clemson. Right. But yeah, their touchdown was a um, what was it pick six or mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. I could see that being like a twenty because Georgia's defense kind of looks like one of those uh, early Saban Bama defenses mm-hmm. where they're just they're not going to give up a whole lot. Yep. Um. So I could see that being like a twenty-four nothing type game where Georgia just doesn't cover by like half a point um so i don't know be curious to see how um you know one of the favorites in the conference does against uh one of the nation's elite uh rosters uh georgia southern fau uh 
I don't F- FAU played uh, Florida in the uh, opener, and they I think they lost thirty five fourteen. So about what you'd expect. Georgia Southern, uh, they've been a good team out of the Sun Belt, so that will kind of be a good uh, kind of interesting to see what you know a, a bowl a team out of the Sun Belt they expect to be a bowl team versus a CUSA bowl team. Uh, how that matches up. Uh, Gardner-Webb, Charlotte, Lamar, UTSA, uh, NC Central, and Marshall. I was looking at – we didn't talk about Marshall. They actually beat uh, Navy yep. in a big blowout yep. uh, in Annapolis, I believe, uh, last week. I don't think Navy has their typical uh, team. I was looking at the S&P Plus rankings. Navy's actually well into the 100s. Uh, but it was impressive for Marshall to go there and, uh, you know, win easily. Marshall actually does not play a team from a uh, power conference, um, interesting. Huh. Inter- uh so I saw something. They were had like a five or six uh, percent chance of going undefeated just because they don't really have a, um, a game on the schedule where they're playing a team that's significantly more talented than they are. Um, right. So I don't think they're going to go undefeated, but, I mean, I guess they got the best shot out of um, anybody. You got Houston at Rice. Uh, Houston uh, lost pretty convincingly to, uh, to Texas Tech, I think, at uh, the Texan Stadium. And then Rice played um, – Arkansas tight for a little while. Um, kind of interested to see if uh, Daniel Holgerson could turn around because he's, I think he said, back to back, back to back losing seasons there. Um, so that could be a big, uh, big game for Rice uh, in terms of trying to uh, kind of a statement win, I guess, in that town. Sure. Uh, if they can win that. Uh, Texas State, uh, FIU, um, FIU, the big Long Island. We talked about that, I think, on. Thursday. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't. What, what's the spread on that game? Uh, one and a half FIU. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, Texas State. They have what their head coach is uh Jake Spavital. I think is how you say it. He's um he came from West Virginia. He's you know one of these uh, offensive uh, whiz kid type guys, yep. and he, he hasn't really done great there um, early on. But I think he was pretty highly regarded when he came in. Yeah. Um, Southeast Louisiana. What were you gonna say? Well, just just. Uh, just to touch on that Texas State game, that they just how well they played Baylor, and not not to say that Baylor's going to be you know anything great, but figured that that you know spread would be in their favor, and maybe it'll move a little bit. But um, yeah, especially you know considering FIU when uh, when win was well, we one of the worst teams in FBS last right, year, right? Um, Southeastern uh, Louisiana, La Tech. That could be. I know La Tech played well last week, but um, Southeastern Louisiana actually. Pretty sure they're a top twenty-five uh, team in FCS. Um, they're been a pretty regular uh, FCS playoff team mm-hmm. over the last several years. That could be a um, kind of a sleeper type game uh, for a lot tech. Um, I remember twenty fifteen Northwestern State actually went into um, Ruston and beat them. And Northwestern State typically um, they're not as good as Southeastern is. Mm-hmm. Interesting listening to um, we're just talking about Southeast Louisiana. Listening to um, Jeremy McLean on the Inside Southern Miss podcast, he had kind of indicated that southeastern louisiana would be a future opponent on our schedule uh-huh. um so I, I don't know when that would be i was kind of looking at their schedule they have the next closest date we could play them is 23 and they already have two fbs games um, i think south Alabama, mississippi state so that could be a 2024 game um so that's the team we played uh, a couple times in 06 2011 um only about a two-hour drive so it's kind of a um you know fcs game that makes sense sure. although a tough game you know because they're an fcs playoff team and then uh North Texas SMU, uh, SMU or North Texas beat Northwestern State. I think SMU beat uh, Abilene. Uh, that game's in Dallas. Um, SMU's actually twenty-two and a half point favorite. Wow! In that game, so uh, I don't think it'll be. I, I would 
I would go against the spread on that one. Yeah, I think North Texas, they've been trended down a little bit. Um, Looked good last week. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the coach's name? At blinking on his oh, name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm blinking too. Um, Latrell. Yes, Seth Latrell. Yeah. He's kind of um, – there's been some people that kind of compare him to Mark Hudspeth, where Hudspeth was kind of a guy that got hot there mm-hmm. for a little while. Lafayette as a potential guy to move up, and then he kind of flamed out. And it seems like Latrell is kind of on the same path, um, where he got hot early on in North Texas, and then he's had a couple of rough seasons. But um, because he was almost about to take the uh, Kansas State job a couple of years ago, and he didn't take it. Um, but I don't know this be big year for him. And in the last game, uh, Hampton at um, ODU. I don't, know, I don't know anything about Hampton. I know ODU. Um, they lost big in the opener. Uh, they didn't play last year. It seems like they're supposed to be one of the worst teams in uh, yeah. FBS. I was reading an interview from their coach earlier in the offseason. He said that they got a lot better by not playing. Um, so, I don't know. It would be interesting to see, you know, how they do. I think there were a couple teams in uh, FBS that didn't play last year. Old Dominion and maybe like UConn or somebody. So, it would be interesting to see how those um, – Teams that did not play last year, how they fare right. on twenty one? If they do better than expected or uh, worse than expected? Yeah, they played Wake Forest, lost forty two to ten. So, uh, but that is uh, that's what's happening in CUSA. Yeah, that's also it's also that just kind of reminds me of actually I think it was in that same article about conference realignment that he kind of reviews the previous weekend uh, in full under that and the six I think it was six FCS teams that won over FBS teams. Last weekend, yeah, I didn't see the number. I mean, there were there were several. I mean, we talked about the high profile ones, you right. know, East Tennessee and Montana and uh, yeah. Northern Iowa, almost being Iowa State, five or six. And it, it was interesting. The point that was brought up, I think it was an FCS coach saying, you know, maybe you know them playing in the spring helped, um, and also that you know the the talent gap on the the top level of those rosters. Especially the you know the the high FCS low FBS teams is really you know that gap is really not that big and you get them early in the season, you know when you still have a lot of that depth, it's right. it's really you know it, it's not uh, as big as a of, of a gap as a lot of people think it is. Oh no! Uh, and playing in the spring, this, those are two factors I thought were really interesting. Right, and um, so South Dakota State beat Colorado State, I believe, forty-two to twenty-three. Yep. And uh, South Dakota State, they're supposed to be the first or second best team in FCS, and I'm just kind of thinking, Colorado State, like, why do you even schedule that game? Right. Like, if you're like a mid-level or mid-lower level Mountain West team against the FCS team, I mean, the FCS team is probably better, and right, or the, or the top, if you're you know a really good FCS team, is probably better than a mid to lower um, Mountain West team, and you know you saw that where South Dakota State won pretty easily. So, uh, yeah, those Dakota teams are pretty tough. You know, uh, South are. Dakota gave Kansas a run. I know Kansas, you know, they're terrible. Um, but North Dakota State's always good. So, uh, they play some pretty good football up there. And then, you know, Montana nearby beat um, beat Washington, Montana Top State. Washington, yeah. Uh, Montana State almost beat uh, Wyoming. So, uh, yeah, lots of good football at the uh, FCS level. Yeah, and it'll be another fun weekend of college football. Eagles need to bounce back in a big way. We will be watching. This has been episode number two. Chugging right along. We'll go live on Sunday. I believe that's still the plan. Yes. We will keep you all updated as far as when that will happen, and we will wrap up everything that happened this upcoming weekend. So episode number two, this has been Buzzardry. 
from Patrick and myself. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you all next time.